0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas.
1: Let's get back together once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. We've talked a lot about Packer concentration here on this program, and it's gotten the attention of the White House. A new report has come out from the White House about the issue We'll talk more about it to kick off today's show. Plus, we take a look at cotton condition ratings. They took a big drop over the past week, and that's mainly our fault, right here in Texas. We'll have that story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley
2: throughout most of the spring and summer there's been a lot of happy talk in the Texas High Plains about rain but right now not so much I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas AG today we'll talk about the recent lack of rain and what it means for our area wheat farmers
3: farmers and ranchers from across Texas tour agricultural operations in southeast Texas and the Port of Houston I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today.
4: Milo harvest is underway, and the combination of good yields and a strong price and some new innovations for the crop may help us see increased acres here on the Rolling Plains. Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story from north-central Texas.
1: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets, all coming up. A new White House report outlines problems with concentration in the meatpacking industry. With four companies controlling over three-quarters of the nation's beef supply, beef prices surging for consumers, and prices stagnating for cattle producers. It raises a concern about pandemic profiteering. That's Brian Deese. He directs the president's National Economic Council, which just released a report detailing the situation in the U.S. meat industry. These price increases that are affecting consumers are not happening in isolation, and that companies are making decisions to drive these price increases. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the administration will pursue actions to accomplish two main goals.
2: Goal number one is to make sure that farmers get a fair return for their efforts and their capital investment. And the second goal is to make sure that when consumers go to the grocery store and at the checkout counter, they get fair prices.
1: That will be one of several topics discussed at the first meeting of the president's competition council. Cotton condition ratings have declined over the past week, but it wasn't Hurricane Ida's fault. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey points the finger right here at the Lone Star State. You can blame that on Texas We have
3: seen some hot weather, especially in the last couple of weeks. It's turned a bit drier, and at least the perception of the growers is that that's taking a bit of a hit on the Texas cotton
1: crop, which last week was rated 68% good to excellent. That number has dipped sharply to 54%. Here's how the Texas ratings came out. As Rippy mentioned, 54% of the crop rated good to excellent. 37% 37% rated fair, and 9% of the crop now rated poor to very poor. A few other numbers in the report showing that 92% of the crop now setting bowls, 28% with open bowls. Still no harvest progress numbers in this weekly report, although we do know that harvest is moving full speed ahead in the valley and the coastal bed. In fact, we've seen several reports on social media showing that some farmers have wrapped up their cotton harvest for the 21 crop. As far as other crops are concerned, the report shows that 53% of the corn crop is now harvested here in Texas, 66% of the sorghum now harvested. U.S. beef exports set another value record in July. Data released by USDA and compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation shows export value climbed 45% from a year ago to just over $939 while volume was the third largest of the post-BSE era at 122,000 metric tons. That's up 14% year over year. This has been a good year for rainfall on the Texas High Plains, but things are getting dry right as we're getting ready to put the wheat crop in the ground.
2: James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Back in the spring and early summer, we kind of got used to getting some good rains around the Texas High Plains, but as we discussed in our previous report, we've gone dry again, which has hampered our summer crops and is also causing concern for farmers who are trying to get the wheat season started.
5: I've been out some many- of getting planted wheat and uh, basically just dusting it in and uh, getting it planted and hoping for rain to get it sprouted and get it up.
2: That's Russell French with Pioneer Hybrid, who says dusting in a wheat crop during dry spells is a time-honored tradition in the Texas High Plains. French says deciding to plant seed into dry soil means accepting uncertainty about how soon emergence will occur, but it can actually work.
5: I've seen people dust it in and early September and you know not get a rain till November and and, you know it'll come up so it's surprising how long it'll stay down there in the soil. and when you have a dry soil you have very little disease activity so it'd be just insect activity like grubs or wireworms or things like that but generally it'll surprise you how long that weed will lay out there and still come up when we do get a rain.
2: The downside says French is the longer you wait for emergence the more tillering is compromised.
5: The later that the wheat comes up in the fall it generally can reduce our yield potential, so we would hope that we'd get a rain here and get it up before the first of November, and I think we'd be okay. But week that comes up after the first of November doesn't have as much time to tiller, and some people compensate for that by increasing the seeding rate. But if you you know increase it too much and you get the rain real quick, then you might have it too thick. So it's. Kind of a tough call to make sometimes.
2: Now, of course, our local wheat season is just beginning, so we'll continue to hope for some good planting rains soon. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: A group of Texas farmers and ranchers recently took a tour of Southeast Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more.
3: The board of directors of the Texas Farm Bureau recently saw firsthand agricultural operations in the Houston area. Alan Kaminsky manages beef cattle and hay operations in Austin County.
6: We're on the Gulf Coast. Mainly today is Wharton and Matagorda County. We started out in Wharton County at one of the foundation uh, Brahmin herds, JD Hudgens, very well known locally, nationally and internationally. They ship bulls and semen and uh, embryos all over the world. From there, we went to a nursery. They got 800 and some odd acres in a uh, nursery from shrubs to uh, full-grown trees up to 450 gallon pots. A
3: portion of the tour took the group to the Port of Houston. Texas Panhandle Cotton Farmer and TFB Secretary Treasurer Walt Haygood explains.
6: We've had an opportunity to go to the Houston port and see what takes place there. We spent half a day there and that was a very impressive situation there watching how they uh, can take a a container ship full of 8,000 containers and bring that in there and, and unload those containers and reload them with new containers in 24 hours and it's, just, it's, a, it's a massive undertaking, but very impressive.
3: The trip gave the agricultural producers from across Texas a better understanding of farming and ranching in the southeastern region of the state. Mark Daniel ranches in North Texas and serves as TFB's vice president. Well, the main thing is, is the guys that are in agriculture here are facing the same issues that we have. A little different magnitude, the urban encroachment, taxes uh, water rights uh, you know your neighbors landowner rights so it's, it's all the same issues we all face the same issues across this entire nation i'm tom nicoletti and this is the texas farm bureau radio network
1: grain sorghum harvest is moving ahead on the texas rolling plains barry Mahler has an update from north central texas
4: Grain sorghum harvest is underway across the Rolling Plains, and early reports are finding good yields for the crop. We've always had a few acres of milo or grain sorghum, and by the way, we call it both, and uh, they kind of interchange. We've always had some growing here, but it was not a great fit for our area in the past. Some new varieties have helped, along with some generous rainfall from spring kind of spilling over into summer, and of course, as always, rain makes a huge difference. Now, one of the drawbacks for producing the crop in the past has been the high temperature that not only occur during the day, but tend to carry on into the night. Now, the higher elevations to the west of us allow for nighttime cooling that lets Milo protect the pollen and help the crop develop. Here on the flatter terrain, the overnight temperatures tend to stay high and they kind of kill the pollen and limit production. Now, some of the problem has been overcome with variety selection and some has been solved with moving the planting date earlier into the spring to avoid the hottest weather during the pollination period. And, of course, increased rainfall always helps as that of evaporating moisture helps cool the air around the plant. Another challenge has been the lack of a herbicide that will control the field grass in the crop. The fact that Milo is a grass crop made it too close kin to the field grass to get good control without hurting the plant. There's some new chemistry available now and even some varieties coming that will allow over-the-top application to control grassy weeds. It doesn't take a lot of grass out in the field to dry out the topsoil and stunt the Milo plant severely. I'm hearing reports of 50 to 60 bushel Milo being harvested, with some of the better fields doing better than that, these yields coupled with a market that's better than we've seen in a long time is making the economics work well for the crop. Another benefit for increasing acres here on the Rolling Plains is that rotation of crops is always a good practice to break the cycle of crop disease and, of course, change the nutrients required by planting the same crop year after year. It also helps spread the workload out as, well, wheat can be planted in the fall, Milo in the early spring, and cotton in late spring. It's sure does help not to have to get over every acre in a short period of time. With the yield results from this crop, I think we'll be seeing more interest in it in the future, and that is good news from several fronts. This is Barry Moller reporting from the Rolling Plains for Texas Ag Today.
7: Opportunities for Texas hunters are growing as additional hunting seasons open up this month. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And if you feed alfalfa hay to your horses, you need to be on the lookout for a particular beetle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
7: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
4: Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: If you feed alfalfa hay to your horses, you need to be on the lookout for blister beetles. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why.
8: Alfalfa hay is a great horse feed, but one of the drawbacks is that some alfalfa, particularly that grown in Texas, may be contaminated with blister beetles. Ingestion of blister beetles in the hay can cause severe disease and death in horses, as the beetles produce a toxin called cantheridin that causes inflammation and blistering of the internal body tissues, especially the lining of the intestinal tract. Although all species of the beetles produce the toxin, some have a more concentrated toxin than others. And depending on the species of beetle, ingestion of as few as 25 beetles can be deadly. Dr. Gerald Stoker from North Dakota State Extension indicates clinical signs of blister beetle toxicosis occur within six to eight hours after ingestion. And affected horses show clinical signs of colic and depression. These horses can also show disease of the urinary tract, heart, and nervous systems, are extremely sick and painful, and some can die in as little as three hours. Blister beetles tend to congregate in certain areas of the field, and some bales from certain areas may contain high numbers, while other bales may only have a few beetles. So when you get alfalfa hay in and start to feed it, it is important to check every bale as you open it, as the number of beetles may not be consistent. Even if you could remove all the beetles from a bale, the hay should not be fed. As the beetles go through the hay crimper, some of them can be crushed and the body fluids from the beetles is still toxic, so any hay with any beetles should be discarded. For this reason, it is important to buy alfalfa from reputable hay dealers that routinely sell to people with horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Teal
1: season will get underway this weekend, but it's not the only thing you'll be able to hunt this month. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report.
7: Statewide teal hunting season officially opens Saturday, but it's not the only hunting season that will open over the weekend. Early Canada goose season in the east zone also opens Saturday, and so does the season for rails, gallinules, and moorhens. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says rails, gallinules, and moorhens are mostly found along the coast, and they don't get a lot of hunting pressure.
3: Yeah, there's not a lot of participation there. Rail hunting has been a long-time East Coast thing and, and in Louisiana, too. just never has really picked up steam here in Texas, although there's really good opportunities there for people who actually want to get out and, and go for them.
7: Rails, gallinules, and moorhens are migratory game birds, They occupy habitat similar to waterfowl.
3: Most of these birds are considered secretive marsh birds, so it takes a little effort to find them. You got to get muddy or, you know, get out in a boat. that can push through some of the the thick marsh and and get out there and find them. So it can be tough hunting, but it's also a very unique and rewarding form
7: of hunting. Hunters who are willing to try their hand at hunting rails, gallinules, and moorhens will need a valid Texas hunting license and all of the other paperwork that is necessary to hunt migratory game birds.
3: Any of the migratory game birds need the same thing. You need the Texas hunting license, you need to be HIP certified, and you need to have your migratory game bird endorsement on your license.
7: Hunters born on or after September 2nd, 1971 will need proof of hunter education or a valid deferral. All of this year's regulations are available on OutdoorAnnual.com, on the Outdoor Annual app, and in the paper book. Fitzsimmons also notes the special White Wing Dove Days in the South Zone also return this weekend. That's from September 10th through the 12th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: We saw another lower close in the cattle markets on Friday. One reason for that may have been a bump higher in the corn market. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
3: As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag today. Another lower close in the cattle market on
1: Friday. We finished lower in both live and feeder cattle futures to wrap up the week. October live cattle dropped 32 cents, 12342, the December down 57, 12822. February live cattle down 87, 13202. The feeder market dropping lower. September down a dollar 50, 15425. October feeders down a dollar fifty two at 157.72 November feeder cattle down 210 to close the week at 15912. Cash fed cattle trade wrapping up the week selling cattle here in the south as high as 124. Up north, we saw live prices as high as 127. Dressed prices topped out at 203 this week. Boxed beef was lower on Friday. Choice dropped 313 at 329.45. Select down 92 cents, 295.53. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
8: Here's old auctioneer Troy getting ready to sell cattle. Let's head to Plattenton, that's the way the locals say it, in Matascosa County, Plattenton, Texas, to talk to Jim Wheeler. Jim, how'd the Tuesday sale go?
6: The market was pretty decent all the way around. Uh, Numbers were a little shorter. It was a holiday on Monday, so I guess everybody was at the coast and sitting in the pasture working cattle.
8: Tell us how they sold.
6: All right, we ended up with 298 head. Uh, 134 were steers, 97 heifers, 54 cows, and 10 bulls. Steer side two to three weights a dollar sixty to a dollar ninety, heifers were dollar forty five to a dollar seventy five, three to four weight steers a dollar fifty five to a dollar eighty five, heifers were a dollar forty to a dollar fifty seven, four to five weight steers a dollar forty five to a dollar eighty, heifers were a dollar thirty to a dollar fifty, five six weight steers a dollar forty to a dollar sixty, heifers were a dollar twenty to a dollar forty five. Six, seven weight steers a dollar 25 to a dollar 47 heifers were a dollar ten to a dollar 35 seven to eight weight steers a dollar twenty to a dollar forty heifers were a dollar five to a dollar 31 eight to nine weight steers a dollar five to a dollar thirty and the heifers were 90 to a dollar 20
3: what they have on cows at
6: 140 this week uh we had a dollar 32 last week eight dollar gain on cows this week best packer cow brought 77 bucks best bull brought 90 and a sold bred cows anywhere from 650 to 1450 yeah, and we had a couple little pairs. One of them brought 500, and the other one brought 810.
8: What do you anticipate for this next Tuesday sale?
6: Uh, hopefully we'll be back up there around the four to 500 mark.
8: Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you in Pledon.
6: Reach us at eight three zero five six nine two five one six.
8: Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble, and that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for coming down the lane and having a glass of iced tea. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big drop on Friday. October hogs down 3.02 to close at 82.45. December hogs down 3.37, 76.10. Class three milk was lower. September down 3.1660, 100 weight. October milk down 21 cents at 17.34, 100. USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand report on Friday morning. The numbers were very bearish for the cotton market but it didn't seem to care. Cotton closed higher despite these bearish numbers. First, let's look at some of those numbers. USDA reducing planted acreage down to 11.19 million acres. However, they increased yield by 95 pounds per acre. Overall, the 2021 crop pegged at 18.51 million bales. That is up 1.25 million from last month. But as we mentioned, the cotton market Trugged it all off and moved higher, October cotton up 67, 95.23, the December up 28, 93.50 cents. Same story in the corn market. USDA's corn numbers, very bearish, higher than expected yield at 176.3 bushels an acre, overall corn production up to 14.99 billion bushels, the market initially reacted by dropping about 15 cents lower. However, we gained all that back and then some by the close. September corn up six and three quarters, 502 and three quarters. December corn up seven and a half, 517 and a half. The wheat market closed lower on old crop, higher on new crop. September. Kansas City wheat down a quarter penny, 676 and a quarter. The new crop July up three, 688 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down six and a half, 675. New crop July up five and a quarter, 689 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down seven cents Friday, 495. October crude oil up $1.69, 69.83 a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower on Friday. The Dow down 128 points, 34,750. The Nasdaq down 51 at 15,196. The S&P down 14 at 4,478. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Carrie Martin, sure hope to see you then right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,